In this new episode of Prospect Pitch, I have a special guest. It is Michael Neff. And what Michael is here to do is convince me that Jairus Walker and Keontae George, two of the top freshman prospects in the country, are as good as he says they are. Stay tuned to hear what he has to say because in this role, I know absolutely nothing about the guys. And so, again, his job is to convince me and sell me on Jairus Walker and Keontae George. This should be fun. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks gives you, as a first time user, a chance to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That is prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. I'm the founder of NBA Draft Junkies, and today I am the general manager of a team, and Michael Neff is here to pitch a prospect, and that's why I call this series Prospect Pitch, and the whole purpose behind Prospect Pitch is to give aspiring draft junkies or journalists or people that enjoy the draft an opportunity to basically show their stuff, show how much they've been researching on different prospects. And it's, it's fun. I wanted to give back. I wanted to just uh, basically just give guys a different opportunity, a new opportunity to show their stuff, show what they know. And so here I am, the GM of a team yet to be named. I don't know which team I, I'm the GM of, but um, Michael is here to sell me on Jairus Walker and Keontae George. Before we get started, before I put on my GM hat, how's everything going your way? I see you have on a University of Virginia shirt. And the last time we did a podcast was back in like March 2020. And you sold me where you were. It wasn't prospect pitch then, but you were high on Josh Giddy. And I have to give you your props on that one because you got that one correct. So how's everything going for you? Uh, pretty good. I'm doing well. And uh, Josh Giddy's doing me proud. So consistently happy about that but otherwise yeah everything's good happy that uva basketball got big win against duke that's always fun a little bit of controversy there oh i don't know what you're talking about everything <laughs> about that was fine all right well we can talk about <laughs> uva basketball probably all day but you are here to sell me on jess walker so let me put on my general manager hat i know nothing about jess walker i know nothing about keontae george so Sell me, convince me why I should select Jairus Walker with a top five pick. Okay, so I guess to start off, I'll come right out and say it. Jairus Walker is the number three prospect on my board right now. Okay. And that's a stance that I don't believe I've seen. Uh, if someone else has him at number three, I, I apologize. But I'm the only one that I've seen that has him there. And the reason why I like him is because he fits the mold perfectly of what's often called a false ceiling prospect. And a false ceiling prospect is a player who is rightfully considered a great basketball player and a ready-made role player for the NBA, but whose avenues to greater upside are ignored. In the past couple of drafts, 
uh, Franz Wagner, who I mistakenly had 12, was uh, that false ceiling prospect in that draft. And then the last draft, I sort of remedied that by putting Benedict Matherin at five. And that's going pretty well so far, I think. So Jairus Walker is is kind of the guy that I believe is being undervalued for that same reason, that those upside avenues are being ignored. Okay, so let's go back to 2021. You got Josh Giddy right. What was it about Josh Giddy that you saw that others didn't see? Because I was wrong about Josh Giddy. I watched him live at Basketball Without Borders, and I thought he was a craftier version of Joe Ingles. Totally wrong about that. But actually, I forgot I'm supposed to be the GM of a team, so I don't know you <laughs> like that. But anyway, um, when you saw Josh Giddy, was it just a gut feeling or was it something that you were just very confident that you just had data to, to prove that he was going to outplay where he was drafted? Well, I, way back in like the original draft Twitter days when I was just kind of a fly on the wall, uh, an idea that came up then really stuck with me, and that was the Holy Grail draft prospect is a 6'6 plus dribble pass shoot player who can initiate an offense, make good decisions, and can also defend. And Josh Giddy checked a few of those boxes, and his upside scenarios were tied to really the shot, but then sort of the rest of that checklist coming around. But he was a 6'8", 6'9", guy who could really pass. His handle was strange, but he was able to make it work. Uh, he had positional size. Uh, so there was a lot to like there as a base. But I, what I really liked was the upside. If he could get into a situation where he could shoot the ball better and just refine his game, which he did, uh, I, I figured things would go well. And I think the Thunder have done a great job developing him. And uh, you know, his upside's really high as a result. Okay, so you're, you're high on Giddy, which you're right about that. Now, I'm assuming Giddy and Walker are two different players. What are some similarities between Giddy and Walker that makes you high on Walker the same way you were high on Josh Giddy? I'm I'm hard pressed to find some, some super similar things. I think their games are very different. I think where they are similar is they're both really smart basketball players in different ways. But you know, Josh Giddy's processing speed on offense was unbelievable. I think Jarris has more well-rounded processing. You could say. I think it's distributed more evenly between offense and defense. I think on defense, Jarris's. Uh, rotations and uh just help defense are outstanding and that comes from processing speed i think you can read ball handlers super well and then as a connecting passer uh he's great at, at reacting to help and making reads quickly I, I think both were very advanced for their size at just processing the game okay so give me a little bit of background about jairus walker is he athletic is he a defender um, his height, projected weight, where does he go to school, and what is his role, and, and the role that you see that he'll thrive in in the NBA? So Jairus Walker is a forward at Houston, and he's 6'8", 
225 pounds and a great athlete. Uh, he's explosive. He's powerful. He has an NBA-ready frame and athletic profile, and that's great. The role that he plays on Houston right now is that of an elite connector, and I think that's going to translate to the NBA. He is a great connecting passer. He gets the opportunity to attack closeouts on offense and make decisions, score at the rim. And increasingly, he's getting opportunities to score in isolation. He's getting opportunities to try more difficult shots. So on offense, Houston's really trusting him to expand his role with each passing game, I think. And on defense, he he's really a jack of all trades, I think. He can guard the ball well. He slides with multiple positions. He can contain the ball. He's he's very, very versatile uh, guarding people on the perimeter. But then he's also great as a backside helper. As I said before, his help defense, his rotations are all outstanding. He has super quick hands. It, it's really hard for me to come up with a flaw on defense for him. I think whatever you need him to do, he's going to be able to do it. Even guarding ball screens, I think he's very coverage versatile there and could even play some small ball five. So what do you think his best role is in the NBA? When he first gets drafted, I think he's going to have a pretty similar role to what he's had at Houston. I think he's going to immediately contribute with his defense. That's what's going to get him on the floor. And he'll be able to switch. He'll be able to impact shots at the rim. And then on offense, I think he's going to come in and pretty immediately be able to make smart decisions off the catch knowing when to drive, knowing when to swing the ball. When he drives, he can re he'll can he be able to react to help, make good decisions there. And then I think I trust his touch enough to be able to score at the rim, score with that floater that he loves. And yeah, I, I think he'll be a, a fairly neutral, a slight positive contributor immediately. Going forward, his upside is going to be tied to the shot which I believe he'll be able to develop. And, you know, we'll see if he gets some creation opportunities as an on-ball scorer. Um, I think he can, but immediately he'll be in that connector role, and I think he's going to do well. All right. When we return, I'm going to turn the heat up a little bit because Michael said he would take him number three. So now I'm really going to put some pressure on him to convince me why he should be taking number three. But before that, I have to talk to you about prize picks because if you are into daily fantasy, then you love prize picks. And if you want to know how it works, all you do is pick two to six players. And if they will go score more or less than their prize picks projection, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There is no competing against other people. It is just you versus the projections available. And prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch which includes NBA, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, WNBA, NASCAR, tennis, boxing, disco, golf, cricket, and more. And entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. They have safe and fast withdrawals, and it is currently operational in 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePick app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. 
If you are a first-time user, you can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, prize picks will give you $50. So do not forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. All right, once again, you're listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, and this is Prospect Pitch with Michael Neff. He is trying to convince me on Jairus Walker. Now, you mentioned you have him number three on your board. Number three is you're basically saying that he is the best college player in the country, and you are saying that he is the best prospect outside of these these two guys that everybody thinks are going to be generational talents. So as the number three prospect, do you feel like Jairus Walker could be the best player on a championship-level team? And if so, you got to tell me why. So I actually don't believe that. I think he could be a number two or a really good number three. But I think that the status of you know prospects who could be the best player on a championship team, that's reserved for Victor Wembenyama and Scoot Henderson for me. I think those are the two clear-cut top prospects in this draft who hold that status. And then there's a, a drop-off from there. So do you don't, you don't and, think anybody else in this class in this class could be the number one option on a championship team or even a contender? I don't know. I think I think it's pretty rare that you find three guys in a draft who truly hold that status. In the league, you probably have eight to ten guys in any given year who I think could be the the number one option on a contender. And I think both Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson could be that. And to me, like two in a draft is already really special. I think usually you get one. Sometimes you don't get any. So at number three, I think you're looking for upside, sure. But then floor starts to matter a little bit more to me. Now, do you have a player comparison? And I know... You know, it's difficult to find a perfect match. But if you had some comparisons of two or three guys that you see a little bit of in Jairus Walker or, or vice versa, you see Jairus Walker has a little bit of these attributes. Who are they? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I gave that some thought. And it, there's such an abundance of players like him that it's almost difficult to come up with a perfect one. And there's also so many ways that his career could go. A really interesting one that I saw in terms of upside is Pascal Siakam. Pascal in college, his creation was very limited, kind of to that short mid-range area where Jairus also specializes. But he's just really grown his game into a clear-cut all-star level player. Um, and so I think Jairus could get there too. Uh, he's kind of on a similar development arc. I think if you just look at any successful team in the NBA and a team, maybe a team like the Thunder that's ahead of schedule for their age, they're, they're filled with guys like Jairus. Like I, I always think of Boston like a Grant Williams or something like that on defense that can really get into ball handlers at, at their size. 
can switch really well. I, I could see Jarrett's kind of mirroring his role on defense. And then maybe if he develops that shot, Grant could be sort of a mid-level comparison. So I, those are the two that really come to mind right now. Uh, Jarrett's, there's just so many different ways his career could go. I think most, if not all of them, are good. It, it's all just going to depend on what he's able to develop. Okay. All right. I have a few questions for you here. On a scale of one through five, with five being great, four being right under that, and one being bad, I want you to give me a grade on these questions. How would you rate his unselfishness with five being the best and one being the worst? I would go, I would go four plus four and change energy. Same thing. Four plus instincts. Four plus quick decision-making five executing with energy Four. body length, like wingspan. Uh, I'll say like three and a half to four quickness three three to four speed in the open floor uh three three or four athleticism uh 4.5 4.5 what about his physicality and toughness i'll say four positional size Four. Okay. All right. Now let's talk about offensively. What about his his shot selection? I'll say three. If you he's a big, so would you say that he is good at finishing at the rim as as a pick and roll finisher? Or where would you rank him at? I would say, I would say three and a half with the potential for that to move up pretty quickly. Okay. Short roll finisher. Four. Vertical lob threat. Um, what probably three and a half. Okay. Three. A ability to space the floor. I'll say it's tough because his percent his percentage is so good, but I'll say two and a half. So the last I looked, he was at forty two percent from three. Are you buying that percentage as an accurate indicator of his touch? I would say, well, he's at an elite percentage. I don't think that's an indicator of his touch right now. I do, however, buy the shot long-term. All and right. The reason... Oh, sorry. Sorry to cut you off. Yep. So he is shooting 51.9% on layups at the rim. Explain why. I think he, despite despite his size, I think he's a little bit wary of contact at this stage. I think he has yet to figure out that he is one of the best athletes on the floor, probably the best athlete on the floor in college, and that he could just overpower guys. I think you see flashes of him realizing that, overpowering guys at the rim, trying to dunk everything, getting away from that floater, and it looks good. I think I think as the season goes on, that sample becomes larger. My guess is that percentage goes up. All right. What about his low post scoring? Is he someone that I can give the ball to and say, go get me a bucket? 
And if so, is he someone that has moves? If you put him in the middle of the floor, does he like to go to the baseline? And is he like a guy that is like Al Jefferson, where he only wants the ball on one side of the block? Kind of describe his his low post game if he has a low post game. I think he's not really a back to the basket guy. I think he's more of a downhill rim threat, sort of in the short roll, catching the ball in the middle of the floor and then dribbling at his defender, attacking him from there. And he he has a, a Euro step there that he really likes. You know, he, he uses that floater to good effect. And then when he does get to the rim, he, he, he really is capable of just bullying smaller athletes down there. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be a guy at the next level who is playing the five on offense with his back to the basket, maybe briefly to make decisions, but probably not to score. All right. Does he have a... A face-up game at the elbow, does he have any ability to score or, or make plays at the elbow, even make passes? Uh, passes, yes, absolutely. Uh, he's very good at reading and reacting from there, and he does have a little pull-up mid-range that he likes, and he he shows touch on those shots, and, and I, I could see that developing. Now, you mentioned that he's a, a good defender, or you think he's a better-than-good defender, is he a multiple effort defender and is he someone that can hedge on, on guards? Yes. And yes. In fact, I have pretty vivid memory of a play that he had against UVA where he blew up the initial action on the perimeter as a little handoff. You know, UVA uh, just passed it to the other side of the court. He guarded the ball screen over there. Then he, you know, possession goes on. He went down to the post to guard Caden Shedrick, our big man. Uh, and then Armand Franklin, our wing, uh, beat his man, drove to the basket. Jairus was the only line of defense, and he times it perfectly, moving off the big man and then impacts the shot at the rim. And that was all in one possession. He guarded, I think, four out of the five players was on the perimeter and impacted a shot at the rim to end the possession. So, and, and he does stuff like that consistently, and it, it makes you forget that he's a freshman sometimes. He's super advanced in that regard in terms of energy, knowing where to be, using his athleticism functionally, like all of that stuff. All right, two more questions. Is he a better on-ball defender or team defender? I'll say, I'll say that his team defense is going to translate better to the next level. All right, last question, and this is the one that um, is the most important question. Is he an all-star, top starter, starter, rotation player, roster guy, training camp invite, or European star? I think his upside is all-star. I think the most likely outcome is a high-level playoff starter high-level championship contending starter. And at number three, I think that's a pretty good value proposition. All right. Well, that wraps it up on Jairus Walker. Now we have one more prospect to pitch. But before we get into that, I want to talk to the audience about Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you do not want all of the fat and the calories, then you have to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. 
And I know my goal is to eat a little healthier, which I've been doing bad at. But if you're like me and you want to eat healthier, but you do not want to compromise taste, then I got something for you. And that is a Built Bar. Because what Built Bars healthy is actually tasty. And what makes Built Bars so good is that they are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, you heard me right. It's healthy, but it's covered in real chocolate. And they come in really good flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. I don't know how they do it, but the bars taste like a candy bar, but they maintain amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy. Only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And what's cool about Built Bar now that started in 2023 is that before you used to have to go to Built.com, but now you can go to Walmart or Sam's and you can get a four pack of cookies and cream or double chocolate or coconut puffs. And all you have to do is go to Walmart, go to the pharmacy section, and they'll be right there. And if you really, really want a bunch of Built Bars, you can just go to Sam's. At Sam's Club, you can get a 13 bar box and it has same flavors, including brownie batter and churro. You will thank me later. But if you're old school and you don't want to get out, just go to built.com. All right, last segment, Keontae George. Now, I I just want to hear where you have Keontae ranked and why are you higher on Keontae than, than the consensus? So this is subject to change a lot more fluid than where I have Jairus but he's currently fifth on my board. And my pitch for Keontae, the, the sort of really quick summary is, imagine if prospect Cam Thomas was a good passer and competed on defense. <laughs> no. um, you know, Cam Thomas was a great scorer as a freshman. But no vision. Like... <laughs> yes, and Keontae isn't that way at all. I think he has almost triple Cam Thomas's assist percentage in college, or something like that. It, it's it's very nearly three times, and you can see it. Uh, Keontae, like yes, he takes some difficult shots that perhaps he shouldn't at the wrong time. You know, end of the Texas game comes to mind, but he is a very good passer, and when he wants to, he gets his teammates involved very well. And that was a big criticism of Cam Thomas. I also think he competes on defense. So you take a really good scoring prospect, add on some playmaking capabilities, and then add on some defensive capabilities to where he's not going to detract from your team on that end. All of a sudden, I think you're looking at someone who deserves to be discussed as a top five guy. And lately, I, I see him moving down maybe towards you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, that sort of range. So if he maximizes his potential, why is that? And then the back end of that question is, if he does not live up to where you have him ranked, why do you think that is? Or what would be the reason he does not maximize his potential as an NBA player? I think he needs to get into a situation where he's coached really well, where they can hone in his decision-making and his shot selection. If that can happen, I think he has a really bright future because he's demonstrated the ability to show craft around the rim and getting to his spots despite not being the best athlete, kind of like Cam Thomas did. And players like that, 
they just find a way to succeed in the NBA. Uh, if he doesn't hit his potential, I, I think it's going to be because he doesn't lock in defensively and can't get on the floor as much. So he's restricted to maybe a sixth or seventh man bench role at best, if that's the case. And then his efficiency doesn't go up. Uh, his decision-making doesn't get better. I think, I think there's a lot more risk attached to Keontae than there is with someone like Jairus, just based on archetype and just based on skill set. So, but the upside is there. What's his greatest attribute? His greatest attribute, I think, is... What's the skill set that he will be able to hang his hat on from day one? I think he's going to be a floor spacer day one. Okay, so I'm looking at the numbers. He's shooting 34% on catch-and-shoot jumpers, and he's shooting 26% on catch-and-shoot jumpers while guarded. Now, when he's not being defended, he's at 48%. Can you give me an example, or, or, or can you tell me why you think there's such a huge gap between when he's guarded and unguarded? And if he's a top-five player... What type of players do I need to put around him to make sure that he's getting open looks? So, I mean, yeah, I, I've seen those numbers too, and it is a really big discrepancy. I am generally wary of one season sample sizes for those guarded and unguarded catch and shoot numbers, though. So, I mentioned Ben Matherin before, not similar as prospects, but Ben Matherin, I think, shot like 27% on unguarded catch-and-shoot jumpers in his sophomore season at Arizona, and then in the high 30s when they were guarded. That's a reverse example, but sometimes you just get small sample size discrepancies in those in those numbers. I think Keontae's mechanics are good. I think that he's a confident shot maker. Uh, I think in the mid-range you see him being able to shoot over guys. And I think it'll expand out to three. Really, to optimize that in the NBA, to answer your other question, I think you just need a really good passer around him that can set him up. And then ideally, someone who has really good gravity rolling towards the rim. It's a fairly basic spread pick and roll type of setup that's done really well where everyone knows what they're doing. If he can get into a situation like that, I think he'll do well. If he gets drafted by the Rockets, let's say, where everything's a mess right now, I don't know how good he's going to look. I think, you know, like I mentioned before, it's very important that he's in a situation where he's coached well and you know, that some lineup optimization is going to be required too, to your point. So in, in your opinion, Jairus Walker's touch isn't or his shooting percentage from three isn't the best indicator of his touch while it is the opposite for Keontae George is that what you're telling me well with Keontae I do believe he has good touch despite the inefficiency he's shooting I think 84 percent from the line right now and whenever someone eclipses 80 which I believe Cam Thomas did as well uh, it's always a good sign I think Another guy that came to mind, Jaden Hardy, I believe, shot above 80% from the line in the G League. And 
both of those guys, despite being drafted late first, early second, they've come into the league and immediately showed the ability to score. Okay. I think Keontae is going to do the same. All right. So um, using the same scale earlier, five, four, three, two, one, with five being the best, one being the worst. How would you rate Keontae as far as being unselfish? I would say two and a half right now. Okay. Energy. Uh, three. Decision-making. Quick decision-making. Quick decision-making, I'll give him a three. Okay. Body length and size. Three and a half. I actually okay. like his positional size. Quickness. Quickness, three. Overall athleticism. Let's see. I'm going to... I'm going to think about that in terms of functional athleticism and I'll give him a three and a half there. Okay. If it's just raw athleticism, I drop that down to a two and a half. Okay. Overall basketball IQ. I'll give him, I'll give him a three right now. Body language. Body language. Body language guy. Is he someone that's going to shrug his shoulders? What's his body language that you've been able to see from evaluating him? That's a tough one. I'll probably, I, I I guess I haven't noticed any huge problems. I he he remains confident when he's not playing well. I'll give him. That's important. I like that. Yeah. I'll give him three and a half to four. Okay. Now the the real big questions: shot selection. Shot selection. Oh my gosh! It it depends on the game, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, I'll give him a three there just because it needs to get more consistent. All right. Shooting off screens. Four. Stand still in space. Three and a half to four. Okay. Um, Shooting off movement. Four. Transition finishing. Three and a half to four. Finishing in the paint. Three. Mid-range pull-up. Oh, sorry. I'm going to revise that last one just because he's so good at drawing fouls. I'll bump that up to a three and a half. Okay. Mid-range pull-up. Mid-range pull-up, four. Okay. Uh, Pick-and-roll passer. Four plus. Pick-and-roll finisher, like how he gets downhill and finishing with ball screens. Three and a half. Pick-and-roll shooter. Four. Can he stay in front of his man on defense? Three and a half. Multiple effort defender. Two and a half. Okay. Back to offense. Does he have a floater? Yes. I'll say say three to three and a half. Now, what about the quickness in his release? Four. Okay. All right. Last question. Is he an all-star? Top starter, starter, rotation player, roster guy, training camp, Euro, or G League? Okay. As far as high upside goes, I like comparisons like Bradley Beal, CJ McCollum. I think that if he puts everything together, outcomes like that are fairly attainable. So kind of like that sub-all-star, really top starter level player. I think it's more likely that he 
becomes a really good starter to maybe really good sixth man uh and again like that might seem underwhelming for number five but that's really an upside call and it, it's an eye test call or just i watch him play and i see that secondary creator type guy who's gonna contribute at a high level man you did a good job that wraps up this episode of prospect pitch good job michael neff thank you for listening and thank you for making the lack of nba big board podcast your first listen of the day now you got to check out game to game nba every moment every top performance every result locked on game to game covers every game from across the nba with local analysis that only locked on can deliver so follow locked on game to game on the locked on nba channel it's available on the odyssey app youtube or wherever you get your podcast once again it's rafael barlow with michael neff and prospect pitch and we are out